Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is David to talk about our championship encounter with Inverness, our League Cup game against East Fife, preview Dunfermline on Friday, talk about the new Hearts documentary on the BBC and chat Scotland after we qualified for the European Championships in 2021. Right, we'll go right into the show. We're keeping on going with those wins, another... 2-1 win in the championship against Inverness. Yeah, um, it was a... Uh, yeah, I think I think the, the team deserve enormous credit, to be honest with you, because I think when you, you come off the high of of the Hibs game, there's always a lot of expectations going into a game like like that, you know. And I, I don't want to call it a routine game, but effectively it's a, team, it's a game that you should be winning against a, 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 a tough, tough physical team. We were always going to cause problems and, and sit in and make it tough. But, um, you know, we, we huffed and puffed in the first half. I think um, missed a few guilt-edged chances. Um, but, you know, the, the, the quality of the goals that, that we did score um, in the second half, I think, just shows you the importance of having two international uh, standard players in, in there. You know, the, the Naismith goal, I think, was, was tremendous. Um, and it came at the right time just after half time. you know, because it could have turned into one of those games where um, the longer it stays nil-nil, the more frantic it becomes and the more desperate hearts become. And 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 in the end, you know, the game just sees itself out and it finishes as nil-nil. But I think uh, I, th- I thought hearts done well. They scored at the right time. And then Boise's second was was an incredible bit of quality. And uh, I'm glad for him to, to get a goal there because he'd missed a few chances that he probably should have buried. I think now they managed to get that goal. Hopefully this will be the big confidence booster that he needs um, to to go on a, a really good run of uh, of form. But overall, a very good result and uh, another one knocked off the uh, off the list. Was it was a good time to score, David, on the forty seventh minute. We did huff and puff during that first half. You know, Stephen Naismith scored another assist there by Stephen Kingsley. I mean, these are going to be two key players, as we've alluded to in the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, it'll become uh, more. Uh, obvious for to us as the season goes on, just how important uh, these uh, experienced players are in a season like this. Uh, and you know, I, I think they're really good for, uh, as we talked about, in, especially in the first half. I think a lot of Hearts fans had a lot of expectation after the Hibs game that we would turn Inverness over. But uh, I think Hearts themselves knew that that wasn't going to be <laughs> that wasn't going to be the case. You know, as Gordon mentioned, they're a they're a well organised, tough outfit. And after 120 minutes. Uh, or the week before, you know, that's a lot of uh, a lot of energy gone from a few of those players, and there was going to have to be changes, uh, and it wasn't going to be as free flowing as we all maybe wanted it to be, or as as, as some may have uh, expected. But um, I think the team performed very well uh, under the circumstances. Uh, Stephen Kingsley shown how important he's going to be. I mean, that that left foot is uh, something I'm not going to get tired of getting used to for the season, and I'm sure he'll. Uh, produce more assists and goals as the season goes on and as Gordon mentions boys to get a goal from uh, from open play as well I think will help too you know obviously he scored a couple of penalties but there'll be nothing better for him knowing that he'd maybe been lacking some quality from uh, from open play and to get that goal is you know with such a deft flick uh, will we'll do him the world of good so yeah overall you, we, we can't really complain apart from the fact that maybe it wasn't as easy as we would have liked it to be but I, I don't think that really bothers anyone at all you know a 2-1 victory at home against Inverness, you'll absolutely bite your hand off for, as far as I'm concerned. We do never seem to do it easy, though, 
Gordon. I mean, in some of these games. You no, know, obviously Inverness get a goal back, but I still thought, um, apart from that, Hearts had contained them pretty pretty well. They hadn't caused us too many problems. Um, it was a good goal from from their point of view. I mean, we switched off a little bit, but it's still a very good header into the bottom corner. Um, but I thought we, you know, we, we we obviously stood up to them and and they get the lift from the goal and they they try and throw some men forward. But um, I was still fairly confident and and that we would see the game out. Um, listen, you're going to get games like this. I think for for the duration, of, while there's no fans in the park, you know, I think coming to Tynecastle. Um, for teams, yes, it's it's difficult because they're playing against a quality Hearts team, but I think they'll have that lift that, that they're not coming and playing in front of a, a, a hostile crowd. I think that definitely helps these sort of sides. Um, they'll look at it and come, well, we've got a chance to get a result at Tynecastle, potentially take a scalp. Um, and I think not having uh, the, the Hearts support there, um, getting the, the, the Hearts team over the line will definitely be a boost to the, 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 the opposition. So, um, but the, the the more games that Hearts play, you'll see them. You, you already see it yourself. You know they're they're getting quicker and they're getting sharper. And uh, you know the key players that who let's be honest, we weren't fit at the start of the season are now getting to a level where they can perform each week. And and you know you look at your Peter Harrens and Stevie Naismiths and and even Liam Boyce as well. They're getting to a level now where they're they're getting comfortable and they're starting to find their rhythm a little bit. So. I think it was very positive that that Nasey, uh, got a goal, uh, just just as, as as it was for Boyce in open play. Um, I think it's I think we've just got to take the positives from it, um, and uh, and you know it's a condensed smaller season, twenty seven games. So I don't think it really matters how we win these games at the start of the season. It's just all about making sure that we get these points on the board and we continue the the uh, the good momentum. I think it's also easy to forget that. You know, this team's really only played, well, it's played maybe, what, five or six games of competitive football. You know, they're still trying to find the right way to play with each other and still getting used to each other's, uh, you know, uh, methods of football and understanding what Robbie Nielsen is wanting to try and do. So it's easy to forget because we've started so well, as, as maybe a few people expected, uh, that, that, we, that we would win every game. And obviously so far we've, we've managed to do that. But it's easy to forget that this team is still trying to understand each other and still gelling so you know, as as far as we can be concerned, it, it can only really get better from this. And if that's the case, we've got a good season ahead of us. It's easy. It, it is, you're right in what you say. It's very easy for to get caught up in the hype, you know, because the fact that we are in a league that we're expected to absolutely boss and we had bossed it the last time with the same manager. Um, and obviously you can argue that, that we do have a, a better team now, certainly a team full of uh, quality and experience. Um, but it is finding that right blend, and I think he's he's managed to get that so far. Although we'd like it to be maybe a little bit more expansive, but you know he's he he brought in pace in the wide areas in particular over the summer. But these guys have have kind of struggled a little bit. You know they've they've not been able to. Uh, well, Ginelli obviously, you know he played very well against Dundee. And you've seen how effective he was that day. Um, but he's you know he's he's missed the last couple of games so. I think getting him up to speed, but also maybe uh, getting Roberts up to speed because he didn't look too convincing in the semi-final, obviously. Um, but you would still imagine that he will do a job, um, especially in you know in your bread and butter games against sides like Inverness at home. So um, I think when when we can get more kind of pace into the team, it'll look a lot better. But I think for the way the, the way they are just now. Um, the way we're utilising the fullbacks and things like that is uh, it's definitely encouraging. You kind of know what you're getting as well with Robbie Nielsen. You know, he gets results. 
Yeah, I mean, especially at this level. Um, you know, he's won he's won this league twice, strongest ever championship uh, division, um, with with Hibs and Rangers, and and we absolutely bossed it. Uh, Dundee United, you know, he, he took over halfway through Dundee United season, and and they just fell short in the playoffs, but they they went and comfortably won it the following season. So he knows what's required to to get out of this league. I think he'll have to use all his experience this season because it is such a tight league, and uh, and some sides have have started well, so. It shows that there maybe it maybe isn't the sort of division where everyone's going to take points off each other that we maybe thought. It's maybe the case that there's a, a kind of split that half the teams are are good and the other half aren't is is great. So I mean, certainly the game coming up against Dunfermline will be an interesting one to see just how far ahead we are of of the rest because you know they're a team that started very well. So um, you know I, I think the international breaks probably came at a good time for us as well. It means that we can uh, sort of take stock of where we are and and now kick on and and use these next bunch of games um, as a, you know another opportunity to front, well, get ourselves up to speed first and foremost and uh, and get more points on the board and try and um, get ourselves a commanding lead uh, lead in the league. I have to say as well, before the game, John Robertson put down a reef for Marisa Lucas and for Rembrandt as well. I mean, that's a real touch of class from a Hearts legend. You know, the classy from Inverness as well. Listen, he's he's a Hearts man, first and foremost. He's a Hearts man, and uh, and he he knows the importance of of what Rem- uh, Remembrance Weekend is is to the football club. And it was also a lovely gesture um, for what what he done with with Zal because you know you'll. He'll have known Zal, he'll have uh, worked with him a, a little bit when he was helping uh, coach the strikers and things like that. So he'll have been in about the club when, when Zal's been there. So, um, yeah, I mean, tremendous gesture. And Inverness are a classy club. I've always thought that anyway. Um, you know, even any time that we've went up there, it's always been a, a, a really good welcome. And I think they're a fantastic football club. And I think, the you know, I'd, I'd love to see them go up at one, at, at, you know, in the near future. Um, as well and get back into the Premiership because uh, you know they're, they're a good club Moving on to the, the other game that we played just last week a 3-2 win over East Fife I'm, I'm informed it's our first win against East Fife in the League Cup in Methyl since 1940 that came from, that was a stat from um, East Fife TV um, on the 1940s I should say we took a really good lead within 30 seconds and Ollie Lee and then obviously scored in the third minute as well I thought we were going to win that game by four or five and you know East Fife get back into it Yeah I thought we would have you know steamrolled it and been it could turn the stream off at half time because it would have been all over uh, that would have been nice instead of the stress we were put through as usual um, but I mean I, I We've been, uh, I think we've been used to the fact that Hearts haven't been the quickest starters in games for the past two, three, two or three seasons, and they almost made up for it in t- uh, 120 seconds. And it was an incredible start to a match. I, I don't think East Fife, I don't think the ball went inside the Hearts half. I think it was a loose pass that came into the Hearts half in the first three seconds, and then we kept the ball for six or seven passes, scored, and then done the same again from the next 60 seconds and scored another one. I've never seen a start like that from a Hearts team. Uh, and two very well taken goals from from Ollie Lee. It was good. I mean, you can't. It's not like it was East Fife or a, a shambles at the back. I mean, the defending wasn't great. I think we can all agree on that. But you know, it was two well worked goals. Um, and uh, as you say, Ross, I thought it was going to be uh, would have been down easy street by half time. But no, no, of course not. Hearts don't like to do things like that. <laughs> you know, 
why not get my £10 money worth for that stream and watch 90 minutes of, uh, of football instead of 45. Uh, second half, they definitely made it difficult. East, I, I think we knew East Fife definitely had to have some sort of reaction after that shambolic start. And fair play to them. They gave us a good game in the second half, but I think we can't, uh, we can't not mention Andy Irvin's incredible strike from about 80 yards. Well, you know, 30 yards, but still, it felt like 80 at the time. I mean, an incredible strike from him. Uh, and you know what? It's also easy to forget East Fife could have equalised in the last kick of the ball almost if uh, if their striker had a little bit more composure. But you know, I think we'll we'll we'll, ha- we'll happily take that uh, unfortunate miss or fortunate, depending on your uh, <laughs> on on which way you, you which colour of tint the glasses you've got. Um, but you know what? Twelve points out of twelve in that group, we can't complain how we get it, and uh, we're I imagine we'll be a seeded team in the in the draw. Uh, coming up um, this evening, so can't complain, albeit with a, a raised heart rate during the last 10 minutes or so <laughs> that I wouldn't have liked. Obviously, East Fife did get back into the game, Gordon, as David alluded to. Um, Jack Hamilton, ironically, scoring. Better striker than a goalie, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think East Fife probably deserve credit for, for the way they actually came back into the game. Um, you know, when you lose two goals within two minutes to, to a side to a, a league above you, it'd be easy for your heads to go down and, and end up losing the game 6 or 7 nil. Um, disappointing from Hart's point of view, because I thought the performance in general wasn't good enough, actually. Uh, I don't think they played well at all. Um, I thought there was a chance for some of the kind of fringe players to come in and, and make a real statement, but unfortunately, very few of them done that. Um like like David says, two good goals from Lee, um, but they're both shocking defending from an East, uh, East Five point of view. They won't be happy with that. Um, but then we just sort of tailed off, and uh, it's just as well we did get those two early goals because we, we probably would have got beat, actually, if we'd played like that and, and we didn't have that two-goal advantage. Um, I think one thing that highlights is that we don't really have a, de- um, a strength and depth in, in defence because, sorry, but Christoph Berra's finished. He's uh, it was a it was a terrible terrible performance. I know you can maybe talk about him. He's, it was his first game back and however long and things like that. But he's not good enough. He, he he can't deal with simple balls over the top. He's not quick enough. Um, he's just he's just not at a level Hearts need um for defensive cover. And uh, I'm I'm sorry, but I mean, it, and it's a shame. It was actually really hard to watch. Um, a, a guy who's give his all for Hearts who clearly loves the club. He's had a difficult time of late, um, but ultimately he's, you know, it, it was a tough watch, and, and in the end he was taken off, and I don't think he was taken off because he couldn't compete the ninety minutes. I couldn't, I don't think he could, could complete the ninety minutes anyway. But I don't think he was taken off because of that. I think he was taken off because Nielsen's obviously seen it that he's just he's not up to the standard. He's and uh, I think overall though, I think the the team huffed and puffed, gave away two pretty rubbish goals. Um, but Andy Irvin, I thought, was one of the maybe the the standouts, you know, and and Nizi coming on as well, you know, more minutes for him. He sort of settled the team down and started linking up play a little bit. Uh, I thought White was quite quiet um, throughout the game, um, but you know, I, I think obviously we 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 did huff and puff a little bit, and we're probably extremely fortunate to to get the victory, but. Listen, twelve points was the target, and they've got twelve points, and I think um, it's uh, positive considering the fact how much we've struggled in the past few years in in the, the group stages. Um, so comfortably through, seeded, uh, job done. 
yeah, it's just about getting through these games, David. But what what do you think about better? Uh, it doesn't look good for him, does it? I mean, I must admit, I was getting, I didn't miss uh, better being in thirty yards of space in the back four and hoofing up to strikers no taller than five foot nine. I really, really didn't miss that. Uh, I think Nielsen, will, Nielsen, in some way, will will have a, an idea of how he's going to use better this season. He might use him in in games where you know. Uh, teams are, are are pressing higher up against us with 15-20 minutes to go chasing a goal and they're maybe putting long balls up to, to, to tall physical strikers in instances like that maybe better might be useful because we know how much of the his head is a magnet to, to footballs uh, coming 60 yards out of the air but as uh, as Gordon kind of alluded to defensively just as a player uh, it really doesn't look good for him he's slow he's off the boil, he can't cheat any time the ball goes over the top, it looks like a rabbit in the headlights, doesn't really know where he is, any time a striker puts pressure on him he kind of kind of panics and, and just kind of makes a rash decision, so it doesn't look good, but I don't as much as Gordon maybe only wants to see him for another 20 seconds this season, I do think we'll see a little bit more of him than that uh, but but not not maybe I think maybe after that game Robbie might change his mind. Uh, but I, I think he'll have an idea of how to utilise better strength and by strength that's singular and that's heading the ball. Should um, should 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 actually be looking at maybe getting a an our centre half in on loan in January then. Yeah. Um because for, for me, you know, I I wouldn't I would not be comfortable if um if there was injuries to Halkett um and Popescu, um I, I wouldn't be comfortable with him starting every week. I just, yeah, I just, he's just, he's just not up to him. I think. Listen, I know what you say, David. You know, and I've made this point before. I think you know he he would be useful if you're trying to defend a one 0 lead with ten minutes to go to maybe fire on and and win some headers as part of maybe a back three or something. But I just think if if we had to rely on him coming in and starting, wouldn't be comfortable with that. I think we'd we'd be really really weak at, at centre half. Well, you, you know, we've seen the better Halkett uh, partnership for for six months under uh, when when it was back in Livinia, and it was disastrous. I think that's putting it that's putting a positive stint on it. It was absolutely eye bleeding to watch. I mean, the two of them had absolutely no idea what each other were going to do, and it was. Uh, I mean, that's a partnership. I, ne- I hope I never have to see again. And if there's an injury to Popescu, we're in or Halkett. We it, it doesn't look good because even even after Berra, we've not even got another centre half there. No, it's, I mean, it's you, you, yeah, I mean, maybe Harren goes in, and obviously Kingsley filled in when he came in for him. Yeah, but I think, I think overall, I mean, the the fact Christoph Berra was a large part to why Hearts got relegated last season. Um, you know, the amount of goals he was at fault for. I mean, the the Boxing Day game against Hibs was enough for Daniel Stendhal to be like, "Nah, I'm sorry, mate, you've not got it." And he was criticised from a lot of quarters, but the fans backed that decision because yeah. they could see what he could see. He just he, he he he's finished, you know what I mean? And he just you know he can't deal with simple balls across the face of goal, and he can't deal with even balls just getting put in behind them. You know he struggled against a League One striker. So you'll not be playing against Dunfermline then. I bloody hope not. That is who we've got next. They're ahead of us in the league, but obviously played one game more, unbeaten in the league cup group, and only and not been not been beat yet in the league. You know, it'll be a tough test on Friday. Um, tremendous credit to Stevie Crawford, my manager of the month. I think uh, just there as well. So clearly a testament to the work he's doing up at Dunfermline. I think uh, I think we've all kind of had a, a, a realised that I think Dunfermline will probably be our closest challengers this season. They, de- they definitely like a side that are going to cause a lot of problems. But I think if Hearts play to the to the level and ability that they can and that we know we that we know that they can do, 
Uh, I think we should be coming away with three points, but we can't take this uh, can't take that for granted because we know that, that they'll have their chances, Dunfermline, and if they're playing as if if they're on the form that they've shown in the last month, then that they may they may end up taking the, those chances, and we have to really um, play to the best of our abilities to get three points out of that game. It it, it kind of depends on how they approach the game, really. You know, I mean, I think if they approach it like Dundee did and they think, oh, we're playing well here, we'll have a wee go at Hearts. I think Hearts will destroy them, actually. Um, I think Stevie Crawford's more clever than James Whitfield, yeah, let's be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, and overall, you know, I think if, if they're more expansive, you know, that, that kind of suits Hearts because, I mean, you've seen in the Hibs game as well, you know, Hibs were expansive and Hearts, were, I thought, when they had Naismith and Haran on, were, were comfortable. And I think Hearts against teams who... That's why I think Hearts are a dark horse in the Cups this year because, you know, against teams who are more open and will have to kind of attack them. Um, that, that, that'll, that'll suit the way kind of Hearts play. Um, and I think Dunfermline will have a go because they'll be at home, they'll fancy themselves, they're in good form. But I think I think that suits Hearts. Um, but, you know, if, if they go and they make it difficult for us, it could be maybe, you know, it could be a long night, but it might end up being a draw. But I think, yeah, I said I said before the, the season started that I thought Dunfermline would maybe be the dark horse this season. Um and uh, yes, I, I got it wrong with Rafe Rovers, but there's still a long time to go um, with, <laughs> with, with that one. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick to the fact that I did say Dunfermline would be the dark horse, um, and and they're proven that way so far. But I think I think they've spent well. You know, they they got the um, the 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 money in for a few of the players during during the transfer window there, um, and I think they've they've spent it well. They've invested well, and they've they've. Um, because they, they lost a fair bit of players, you know. There was there was talk of them just after the kind of COVID um, pandemic had, had started and football got shut down that they they, they would be struggling because um, they only had something like six first team players uh, on the books. So credit to Stevie Crawford and, and the work he's he's done over the kind of the lockdown period and in the summer um, to to get his team up and competitive. And uh, Dunfermline are a big club, you know. They they're bigger than half the clubs in the the Premiership. Um, so they, they they should be a Premiership side, in my opinion. Um, so I think that they always have to be considered dangerous. And um, East End Park's a tough place to go, but um, you know we should be winning every game in this league. I mean, not being arrogant, but just with the player the players that we have. Um, so it'll be a tough night, but I think um, you know, providing there's no sort of injuries from the international period. We should go there with a fully fit squad and uh, and lay down a marker. Stevie Crawford will obviously know Robbie Nielsen as well because he was his assistant manager with Hearts and uh, MK Dons as well. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the two kind of uh, set up with having each other's you know kind of styles or or, ta- or how they play in in each other's minds, but. Uh, and you know, sometimes we criticise. We all oh, uh, in the past anyway. We kind of criticised Rob Nielsen, maybe uh, being a little bit reactive to other managers than proactive, kind of playing to the opposition rather than than to the to, to the strengths of his own team. I don't think that'll be a problem on on this uh, this Friday, because obviously I think he he'll know that Hearts have to go out and win every game or try to set up to win every game in, in the league anyway. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how Stevie Crawford anyway goes uh, about the game. You know, as as Gordon mentioned, they. they with with the form that they're in, they might fancy themselves to go out and play the way that they are playing, and and, and that might end up being a, a hindrance to them with the Hearts being so quick on the counter attack as we've seen this season, and then be able to pick teams off. 
uh, or, or you know he might opt for the kind of the Inverness style of, of sitting deep and waiting for the chance to come in and break on Hearts. So yeah, I, I think it will be a good game on Friday. Um, it might not be the easiest watch if if uh, Dunfermline end up sitting back uh, and and playing for them for the for the moment that they the chance that they get. But yeah, I, I think it will be a, a good game and a tough game and and one that I'm actually quite looking forward to. I think as well, Dunfermline have a good goalie, which helps. You know, a lot of the a lot of the clubs in this league really don't have good goalkeepers, and you know they've got a Welsh international, you know, and goals on Fawn Williams that used to play for, used to play for Inverness, if I'm right in saying. So it will be diff- more difficult in that sense as well. And as you've both alluded to, it's a difficult place to go. They're in good form. Yeah, you, t- you listen. You take you take one nils every week. It's all about just winning this division and getting it sewn up as quickly as possible. But um, you know, I think they'll have to come a stage where, uh, you know, hearts hearts going to these games and and you know they're like they did the first time in the championship and you know turning up here and winning three 0 and stuff like that. I think they'll have to get to that stage. I think they can they can still sort of get away with just winning one 0 and things like that just now because it's all about just getting the points on the board. But um, yeah, it's a good test to see where actually we are um, and also be interested to see you know. What what the the gap is uh, between us and sort of our nearest challengers? Can you say you know because we've seen the kind of the 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 good and bad of Hearts so far. You know, um, obviously that that six uh, two win against Dundee where they were they, they were really good, and then they go to Arbroath and they were quite poor but still got the results. So I think Hearts will definitely need to to turn it up and um, hopefully they can go there and score a few goals. But what this game coming up kind of uh, brings home to me is still the disappointment that we're not able to be there because I think this would be a fantastic game if there was a crowd in. Um, you know, we would take a, a full a full allocation up there, uh, whether it was a Friday night or not. We would still, you know, take at least three and a half, four thousand up there. Um, I mean, you've seen it in the League Cup a few years ago. It was a great atmosphere. It was nearly a full house, East End Park, and um, it is always a, a really good atmosphere when we come to town up there. So. It's a shame that we're missing that, and hopefully by the next time we we go to East End Park in the return game, we'll be able to go because um, it really is a, a a good away day. Yeah, if I mind mind thinking, they, they do a cracking macaroni pie and a bridey as well. So yeah, bridies are world, as far as I'm concerned, the bridies should be award winning or world award winning. You know, I think they one are, of the main they reasons are, are and and rightly so, Gordon. Rightly so, one of one of the best. Uh, one of the best bits of uh, food you can get in a football ground, as far as I'm I, concerned, in Scotland. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely back that up. You know, Gordon and I are, fo- are, are food connoisseurs, you know, we know what we're talking about when it comes to this stuff, Ross. There was a documentary on Monday that we all watched. It was the the story of last season, Inside Hearts. There wasn't a lot of football in the documentary, I have to say. I don't, I don't think it was ever designed to be a football-related um, series. I think it was uh, a very good bit of PR from the club and from uh, Mrs Budge I think ultimately it, it kind of helps our paper over the cracks of last season the ultimate parts had been relegated on games played which could very easily have happened um, then the the catastrophic fallout from that would have been incredible but really what's managed to happen from uh, fortunately from her point of view is that all the anger that would have maybe been directed towards her and the board has been shifted away towards the SFA and the SPFL and, and the rest of the club. So she's kind of got out of jail in, in regards to that. So I, so I think when when they probably signed up to this, because, listen, there have been criticism of her 
leading up to that anyway, you know, even before we had um, we had kind of had the, the disasters of last season. So I think she probably looked at, at signing up Hearts for, for this kind of um, sort of show and, and to maybe prove to the fans and maybe fans of that were outside the club that she's doing a really good job and and how it's sort of run and things like that. So I, I think personally the whole thing's a bit of a PR stunt, but we'll maybe wait and see how the um, the next two episodes pan out. I think it's interesting though because they only started filming in sort of October time. Obviously, Levine got sacked quite early on. So they probably didn't obviously have the time to or they didn't get the, the permission to go and film, you know, what happened with Levine. And that certainly would have probably added to the documentary. I mean, a lot of the stuff with Levine was basically interviews afterwards sort of thing. I think it was a really good insight. No, I, I get that, but they didn't really talk to kind of Anne Budge too much about it. You know, they didn't really ask her sort of, why did you give him so long? You know, they they just kind of had a wee montage of her standing looking outside the window on a rainy day. Um, they, they they didn't actually ask any kind of tough questions as to well listen you're sitting you know second bomb in the league or whatever um, it's not been good why you know fans were revolting you know at one stage you know they, they could have went back and showed you know the fans standing outside after the Motherwell game you know I did find it funny when uh, they had the security men checking the flag for anything offensive and they came up and saying Budge and Levine are stealing our club. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that, that as well. Why wasn't that elaborated on? You know what I mean? People would yeah. look at that and they would and go, think, oh, oh, these wait, fans wait. are nutters. I look at the state of no, them. No, 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 no. I don't think it's in, look at the fans, they are nutters. I think what, what that, that should have been highlighted more as to the, the discontent and the support. You know, that wasn't highlighted enough. You know, people looking at it from the no, outside, they'll think, no, no, but that's, oh, but that's you know, what I'm I, saying. Because they didn't elaborate on that, it makes it look as if from people outside, that like, oh, what, look at the state of them fans wanting their chairwoman and their manager yeah, to be yeah, gone yeah, yeah, because yeah. they didn't they didn't explain why. That's what I mean. Uh, like, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think that was it was poor on on their inside because I mean, yeah. you know, pe- people like what you say. You know, they look at it from the outside and and they don't know too much about um, what had kind of been happening at the football club and and why fans were so upset. Yeah. You know, they, they should maybe have sat down and asked Anne Budge her thoughts on that. Um, why? Why is there a, a group of supporters holding up a flag saying that you've stole our football club? Um, but but they, they they didn't ask these sort of questions. No, and, and they also um, only talked about. They also only made it look as if we were only having a bad season, not the yeah. fact that we'd won one home game in that calendar year, and that we could have been relegated in the past forty games of form. You know, it made it look as if we just had a bad start and everyone had lost the heat for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, but, I, I, I totally agree. Interesting, but I, I yeah, still yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a one I'll keep watching, <laughs> unfortunately, because <laughs> it's about us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course, Gordon, you made an appearance as well. I, I, I did make an appearance. Yeah, I, I didn't actually see myself at the time, but uh, it was, it was a few others who spotted me there, um, walking to the match. I actually remember that day. I was, I think I was meeting uh, David actually outside Tide Castle. Funny enough, I was on my way to meet him there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was because uh, I, I remember them filming us actually in the ground. Um, so well, I was that, disappointed that we never made a wee cameo there. That's you know? what I was about to say, Gordon. I remember us scoring to go 4 2 up against St. Mirren, yeah. and the cameras going towards us, and I didn't see it. And I'll be having a word with the BBC because it's well, I, I think maybe too, maybe too many V signs and middle fingers when we have been shown. Sorry, Gordon, I have no idea what time. you're talking about. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's maybe what happened there. <laughs> you know, it wasn't I mean, the second like... of footage that was <laughs> that was acceptable for the population to watch. <laughs> what is the BBC? And it was before eleven o'clock, so you know well, you can yeah. maybe under, you can maybe understand. Gary Locke came across quite well though as the ambassador. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, Gary Locke's probably got the dream job. I think he's took what Robbo's job was. Um, before he got the Inverness job, Robbo done a lot of the um, the hospitality and things like that, and, and other wee bits and pieces. And I think Locks just kind of took that role, and I think it's a good role for um, any football club to have because you know I think um, a lot of legends and things like that on uh, uh, football clubs they they take up these kind of similar ambassador type roles. So I think it's good for Lock, you know what I mean? Because I think he's done with management. I think he's admitted that himself. Um, you know he, he didn't really it didn't work out for him anywhere else he kind of went um so yeah i think i think he's a, he's a good person to have around the club and um he's good to talk to i think from you seen it there when he was talking to the sponsors and that it was a bit of banter with them and stuff and uh i think it's good for these people to sit and uh and and almost have a hearts legend take you on a wee tour you know i think it's i think it's good yeah um but, you, but everybody knows what you get with gary Locke. you know what i mean He's just a, he's just a fan, really, isn't he? You know what I mean. He's just, but he was lucky enough to play and and manage the football club. So, um, yeah, so I came came across well. I'd I'd love that to be my job, just going around and getting bevied every weekend and to having a chat with proper Hearts fans and just selling the club. Honestly, I have to pay to do that, and I don't even enjoy it as much as him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it probably is the dream job. Yeah. Apart from playing and managing the club, it's probably the next best thing you could do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you're if you're if you're Gary Locke, so um, you know he gets a he gets a free seat at Tynecastle, he gets a free bevy <laughs> every weekend. He's a nice club suit. Sorry, do you know it probably <laughs> it probably is the, the kind of the best job that you can actually get. <laughs> um, I think away from managing and playing. So um, mm -hmm. no good for him. You know what I mean? It's um, like I say, I think it's important to have former Hearts kind of um, players and and really good representatives of the club. Um, but, I mean, I think every football club needs that, you know. I mean, obviously, they, they were speaking to the groundsmen and things like that. And obviously, I know one of them, Grant, you know, he's, he's a, a proper hearts man, um, goes to goes to all the games and things like that. So, um, I think it's important to have these guys um, embedded in the football club because, you know, I think it's... Um, it almost reminds everybody what, what it's all about, you know. I mean, ultimately, you're there representing um, your football club and, and the people who support the football club. Um, you're not there to make money, although you know some people in football are. But I think ultimately there you're you're representing Hearts and and what the club means to the people, not just to support it but work right in amongst it as well. Everybody pulling in the one direction. You know, last season nobody nobody wanted to go along to football games and see Hearts lose. You know, nobody wants that, um, and that's why everybody you know why everyone's emotions and tempers were so high is because. You know we weren't we weren't good enough, and um, and I think that needs to be maybe highlighted a wee bit more. And I think I think they touched on it a little bit, but um, maybe a wee bit more in the next coming episodes would will be quite interesting. Yeah, so I suppose it was a good it was a good insight to you know how a football club works, how what the people are like that work for the football club behind the scenes. I mean, it's it's not really about you know it's about the players, it's about winning, it's about you know going to support the team, but also it's these guys' livelihoods as well. You know if the club doesn't do well, then the club can't employ so many people to do these jobs. You know and and be a part of the community and stuff. So I I certainly hope the documentary is a success. I hope there's more sort of football in the next few weeks, but 
you know, I, I think it was a, a quite a good insight, um, you know, for the, the first episode. But I'd like to see them sort of look at sort of Stendhal and how he was and, and sort of see what actually went so wrong. Look, it looks like they've teed it up for the kind of Stendhal era in the next episode by the way they finished the first. So I hope that they, uh, they, they dive into that and see what went uh, well and, and not so well, which I think will be the most... Uh, that'll be the biggest part of the next episode probably the bits that didn't go so well well we are going to move on and we're going to not talk so much about hearts but you know it's significant in some ways because you know we're, we're now in a happy nation scotland have finally qualified for european championships oh what a night i mean i don't remember much after penalties my head was pounding and uh, all day friday but absolutely worth it incredible scenes i didn't think it was going to happen uh, and after the 90th minute, I thought, that's it. I'll never see it in my lifetime. But, uh, you know, the numbers game eventually paid up. The law of averages suggested that we had to qualify at some point, and we did. And uh, there's no more Scotland way to do it than the way Scotland done it again. Uh, yeah, I can't quite believe it still that we've qualified. We've we done it the Scotland way. We did dominate that game against Serbia, and we should have been two or three up probably. And then we go and lose the goal in the 90th minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't enjoy... Um, do you, oh, well, I, I think enjoy is maybe a, a, an understatement, but I, I, I couldn't sit there and... I wasn't actually nervous throughout extra time and penalties. I still had a funny feeling we would win, but I was actually so raging that we had dominated the game. Serbia hadn't laid a glove on us, and then literally we gave away such a cheap goal in the last minute, and I was furious. I was losing the head, uh, was sitting calling the television all the expletives you can imagine um and i just it just just really annoyed me because i thought scotland played so well and and when when we we qualified for the playoffs and it was either norway or serbia i thought listen you take serbia every day of the week because norway are a really good side and i actually thought it was always going to be norway i mean me and my my mate you know we got some of the away games and we had, we had planned to actually go to oslo we're like right how can we get the can we get to oslo they obviously when the, the original tie was going to take place. Um, I, I didn't fan them for one second that we would be going to um, Belgrade. I, I just never ever imagined that we would be playing them. So when the tie did come along, and Scotland were something like 4-1 to one to win the game on Thursday. So I, I took that, you know, I was like, I think that's great odds. And started the game really well, looked comfortable on the ball, scored a really good goal in the second half. Uh, and if you remember, a chance before that, um, Andy Robertson completely messed and should have scored as well. So we, we, we were having chances. It's not as if we were lucky to be 1-0 up and that was it. Um, we're dominating the game. And then, you know, we, he makes three changes, which ultimately changed the game. Because, you know, uh, for me, Lyndon Dykes, probably the best number nine Scotland performance that I've seen um, from any Scottish number nine in my lifetime. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, I think the way he held up the ball, the way he, he got us up the park, he'd win headers, he'd win fouls. He, you know, I just think his, his overall play was tremendous. Um, John McGinn in the middle of the park. Listen, we don't like, you know, big enough ex-hibbies, but he, he really is a quality football player. And I think everything he does is of the highest of quality and his energy and, and the way he, he's able to win the ball and break up play and then even start attacks. Is, is a huge testament and, and and just highlights the quality he is. So when, when you took those two guys off and then obviously Christie comes off a wee bit later and you replace Lyndon Dykes with a guy who can't even pull his socks up right, 
um, can't win a header, can't actually keep the ball, has no interest in, in pressing, has no interest in chasing the ball, then right away the um, the fluidity of the team changes um, because we don't have an, an out ball and we, we started getting deeper and deeper and um, and that gave Serbia a little bit of confidence, certainly gave their defenders the rest of the night off and it meant that, that they could then dictate play and um, listen, if we had seen out that, that corner, you know, I know McTominay will get the... Um, he'll get criticised because it was his man. But I think overall he played very well, as did the entire back three. Um, Tierney in particular I thought was excellent. And um, yeah, listen, it was a disappointing goal to concede and I was absolutely furious just just by those three, three changes, really, that, that the team had completely changed. And we were lucky to get through extra time. Um, you know, they, they, had, they had a couple of good chances. We didn't really offer anything. And then obviously uh, it goes to penalties and, you know, I'll be honest, when McBurney stepped up, I thought he'd be the man to miss it, just going by his performance and uh, since he'd come on. But credit to him, he scored the penalty, as I think any striker should do, especially one that costs 20 million. You know, you, if you don't even, if you don't, I mean, fair enough, the keeper makes a world-class save, but I think that's different. And then obviously it gets to sudden death. Uh, we go 5-4 up and then thankfully Mitrovic uh, missed. But uh, yeah, it was about time, as David says, Loy averages. I think it, was, uh, it had to happen eventually. We should have qualified in 2016. We didn't. Um, and that was that was up to ourselves by losing in Georgia, losing stupid goals away to Poland twice and not being the Irish uh, away from home. Um, and then, obviously, we, we talk about the, the World Cup in 2018 and not qualifying for that. Again, I think that was up to us, you know, losing that last-minute goal against England, although that wasn't the, the main one. It was Lithuania at home that, that kind of really cost us and then obviously not being able to go to Slovenia and, and get the result over there. So, um, you know, that, that was two campaigns that we had completely made a, a complete pig zero of. Um, and then we went backwards by appointing Alex McLeish, which never should have happened anyway. Um, but thankfully, we they got the right man in at the right time in Steve Clark. And, um, you know, he's not going to play the, the prettiest um expansive type of football but I don't think Scotland can play that way and I don't think they should play that way. I think there's been a, a kind of obsession with, in this country that you know oh we're, we're better than we are and we need to you know uh, use these good players just because they play in England and things like that but I think he's now found a way, a system that, that kind of implements the, the, the way that the, the team will play and, and they can get the best out of the players that we have so um, yeah Credit, credit to him, credit to his coaching staff, credit to the players. And, um, you know, I think now, hopefully, this is a sign of uh, better times for the international team. Going to be some tasty games. Well, the, the most tasty game being the England game, obviously. But, you know, the two games at Hamden sets us up quite well, David. And, you know, you're, you're playing World Cup finalists in Croatia as well. Czech Republic we've beat in England. It's, it's going to be three really good games. And hopefully we can get some fans in to actually watch these games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be a travesty if, if, if we can't get any fans in at all. I mean, I've booked myself to go down to, to England for the game, so I'm staying on the optimistic side of things and, and, and hoping by June 2021 that we're back in. Um, but like, like you say, it's three really... It's going to be... I mean, look, it doesn't matter if uh, if we don't get out the, the group. It'd be tremendous if we did. It'd be incredible. But uh, I think we're just happy to be at, the, at an international uh, 
uh, well, a, a, a qualifying tournament, a major tournament for the first time in 22 years. Czech Republic, again, like you say, a team we've already beaten and I, I'd fancy us to go and, and play them again. I really don't think they're up to much. I think Scotland at full strength can easily beat them. Croatia, yeah, they were World Cup finalists two years ago, but uh, you know that that's an ageing squad now and I think with Scotland's uh, youth and exuberance and the enthusiasm and the energy that they have can cause Croatia problems, especially at Hamden too. And then obviously the glamour tie at Wembley. Uh, the thing is, I mean, now that looking at the Scotland team, I, I think we can give any country a, a, a game. You know, and I think that's something we've not been able to do for a long time. Uh, especially even against some of the smaller nations where there's a lot of weight and expectation on Scotland to do well and we don't quite come up to, um, to what we're, what's expected of us. In the big games, we usually seem to find an extra gear and, and do well. But I think against any nation, we should, we, we should go try and, and at least have the mindset that we can cause an upset or cause, uh, cause teams problems. But uh, I, think, I, wouldn't um, be, I wouldn't be totally surprised if Scotland got six or seven points at that group, really. Mm, I, no, I, look, I know it's a stretch, but I know it's a stretch. I, I think, think it's four points. I don't, th I don't think it's out of the realms of possibilities. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I just don't think that'll happen. I think, um, I think four points gets you out of the group. Um, I think if they can get four points, that would be tremendous. You know, you've got to remember that even the Czech Republic, you know, you're saying Scotland could easily beat them. I, I know we've just beat them twice, but they they are still a good side, and uh, they'll they'll have they'll have their full strength team back for for this European Championships and. You know, these teams all have experience of uh, international tournaments where Scotland don't. I think that's that, that that's a huge thing to, to factor in as well. Um, I think the, the fortunate thing for Scotland is they've got two games at Hamden. So, um, you know, they'll, 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 they'll treat these games as if, you know, they're, they're huge, massive qualifiers. Um, so, yeah, listen, I think, I think Scotland will actually get out of the group. I, I think they will for the first time in our, our history, incredibly. Um, and I think, you know, but I think four points will do it. I, I wouldn't say that six or seven. Um, I don't see us going unbeaten in that group. I think, um, you know, in my opinion, England, they're favourites to win it um, because they, they will have so many games at home and their their record at, at Wembley is is tremendous, unfortunately. So um, I think they, 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 they will they, they'll probably, you know, uh, listen, it depends on the performance, you know. The, the, the England games are, are kind of... It's a derby, so you know you want us to go down there and be competitive, and I think we will be. I think it'll be exactly like the game it was at Hamden, and yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Scotland managed to, to get a draw. Um, but at the same time, I think um, you've got to be realistic, and, and England are a team that are full of quality. I think Scotland's main aim ultimately and, and focus should be on trying to get at least four points out of the two the two games at Hamden because. They'll they'll be the key and and hopefully if they can get points on the board early. I mean the Czech Republic game is the first game up. That's the one that you think we've got the best chance of winning. Therefore, if we can go and get a, a result there, then that puts us in a really good position. Because I mean you could even argue that three points will probably get you the group. Um, because in fact three go through. So um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a hugely exciting time. There's no need for us to be nervous. I don't think there is any real pressure on us. Um, at least you know it's our first tournament in uh, 22 years, but I think it's um, it's also important that we go there and, and we attack it and uh, we give you know the country something to get behind. I mean, you only need to look at Wales in 2016, um, and you, you know they've they've got two world class players, um, but the rest of their team was pretty bang average, and they managed to get to the semi finals of the the European Championships, and were probably unlucky not to get to the final. Um, 
So it just shows you international football, um, especially the Euros, can can be a bit unpredictable, and and teams like Scotland should go there and, and not really fear anything, and and just enjoy the ride and and see where it takes us. I, like I say, I don't think there's pressure on them. Um, we have games at home, and if we can take advantage of that and can get ourselves out of the group, then uh, you know, mm-hmm. who knows how how far we could go. Yeah, I must admit, I am talking best case scenario with seven points. But look, I, I, I'm going to... David, you have us winning it. Gordon's just got us there for the party. As far as I'm concerned, I'm booking my flights to the semis and the finals. I'll be I'll be doing them just in case. Well, it's at Wembley. So, well, I mean, they, they're at Wembley anyway, David. So you won't need to book any flights. Oh, well, I'll just stay in London. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard, but I actually had a rumour today that the FA have approached UEFA about hosting the tournament in Britain. Um, and basically, Wales would would kind of keep Cardiff, and we would keep Hamden. Um, I, I don't know if Dublin is still going to be on the cards, but um, basically, then the rest of the games would be would be in England. Um, so, seemingly the talks were quite positive, um, mm. apparently. And what that would mean is that they they would they would have a structure where um, fans would have to like take you know would prove that they haven't got COVID, and they would be able to come into the game. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there will be fans at the at the tournament. Whether it's they, they they go along that lines and they just host it in one tournament in one country, or they continue with the um, the tournament being spread over um, a bunch of nations. But it kind of is sort of quite disappointing that you know it isn't just in one country because um, I think that, that that would be great. I mean, I I really hope that we qualify for um, Euro twenty twenty four in Germany. Germany, yeah. That, that'll be a fantastic tournament. So the, the good thing is now, you know, we can get the experience of qualifying here. Hopefully we can finish off and win our Nations League and then we've got a chance of getting to Qatar and then you continue that momentum because I think momentum in international football is huge. I mean, I, I you, you look at Russia in the lead-up to the Russian 2018 World Cup. Um, now, they had went on a run of something like one win in about 20 games and they were a pretty bang-average team. I mean, they were, they were crap at Euro 2016. Um, and then they um, and then they were heavily criticised. Obviously, they got a bye in, into the World Cup because they qualified, but they ended up getting to the quarterfinals. They knocked out Spain, um, and then after that, they went on a great run. They came Hamden one two one and beat us four 0 in Moscow. I was there, um, and to be honest with you, I still think they're a bang average team. I don't think they're that great. I just <laughs> I just think that international football is all about momentum, and if you can go on a run like Scotland are on at the moment. Yeah, it came to an end today, but there's reasons for that. You know, they've made a lot of changes now. They're like Bernie up front. So, you know, it was always going to maybe be difficult for Scotland today, but I thought the performance was good. So, they can, you know, they can go on, go on Wednesday there and pick that up, get a good performance, and can continue that momentum into the Euros, have a good Euros, and then, you know, you look at having a good World Cup campaign and, and try and get ourselves there. You know, we win our Nations League, and then we've, we've, we've got a guaranteed playoff for the, uh, for the World Cup. So, you know, there's no reason now why Scotland can't, Going a run um, of of getting to successive tournaments because I definitely think they've got the players there. Now it appears we've got the squad, and we're we're able to use that squad well. Um, we've got a manager who is getting the best out of the the, the players that he has, and uh, and listen, you know we've 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 got youngsters coming through, um, good youngsters coming through, and they'll only get better by the time these tournaments come along and. Um, so I think the, the the future of Scottish football is um, is definitely positive, uh, certainly more positive than it was a few years ago. Anyway, at least we've all got a smile on our face after 
after that, you know, the whole nation had just changed. But Ross, I won't have a smile on my face if I find that they do move it to Britain because I've just booked flights to Amsterdam for the Netherlands-Austria game. <laughs> so that'll be money in my pocket if that's the case. Yes! So I'll be, uh, I'll be having stern words with the FA. I want it to okay. happen even more now. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad man you are. What a sad, sad man. Do you know what? It's fine. I'll just go to Amsterdam for a holiday. I'm not bothered. <laughs> I'll take your tickets for the match then. No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> That'll be costing you money, son. I mean, that would just be your luck, David, I have to say. It would be. I, and do you know what? See, if it does happen, which it probably bloody will now, I, 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 won't, I don't think I'll even flinch. I'll just go, yep, yeah, of course it did. Of course it's happened. No we'll, problem at all. We'll put out a wee, a wee social media clip as well of, of you saying that, just so the fans know. I've been judiced. You've, yeah, but just so they know you've booked flights and you know you're ready to go and I'll be like that Kelly yeah. fan. I've booked up for Amsterdam and everything. <laughs> Can relate this back to Hearts. Craig Gordon got a start for Scotland today, which was you know really good for him after two years. And he's now, I think it's I think Scotland's longest serving player over a period. Good, good for him. And to be honest, today he really didn't have an awful lot to do. He was unlucky with the goal he conceded, and really Slovakia didn't threaten him that much. Uh, for the rest of the game but yeah tremendous credit to to Craig Gordon a man who's been in the Scotland set for I forgot how many years you've seen him what, what was that what maybe 20, 18 six thousand over 6,000 days he made his debut in 2004 ah, so so 16 years uh, since his first cap and he's been an ever-present figure in the Scotland team and yeah hats off to him and congratulations to, to, to Craig Gordon Obviously, before we finish, Gordon, can Craig Gordon be Scotland's goalie for the Euros? Um, well, I think it depends on David Marshall's form. You know, I think he's he's got the the shirt at the moment. Um, he's not done anything to to deserve to drop the shirt. I mean, listen, Craig Gordon's a better keeper than David Marshall. I've no doubt about that. But um, and I think Craig Gordon would have would have made the the, the save that that he did. But I think um, ultimately Marshall deserves to keep the shirt because he's he, he's he's been the number one now for the last couple of years. Um, but it all depends, you know. A lot can happen. You know, you could pick up an injury, and in the lead up to the Euros, um, anything can happen uh, between them. But I think it's positive that Craig Gordon's back in the squad, that he's playing again and he's playing well. I think to have a, a keeper of that experience and that quality in your team is never a bad thing. Um, but Scotland are, you know, they're they're. We're very fortunate when it comes to goalkeepers in this country. We've got a lot of good goalkeepers, and I think one guy who'll maybe be disappointed to be out of the team is uh, John McLaughlin because I think um, his form when he's played for Rangers this season has has been excellent. You know, I think um, for me it was I was gutted when when Hearts weren't able to keep him because I think he's a, a quality goalkeeper, and he'll uh, and if Gerrard has any sense, you know he'll he'll be McGregor's long term replacement, um, and and I think. You know, somebody like McLaughlin could easily uh, walk into the Scotland team um, along with Craig Gordon, you know, and then you've got some of the younger keepers coming up as as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think we're very we're very fortunate in, in the goalkeeper position that we probably have goalkeepers there for the next ten years, um, maybe longer than that. Um, so, yeah, David Marshall, I think he he's he's been about long enough to deserve a tournament as is Craig Gordon. So. Hopefully, um, they, they, you know, they'll they'll both be there in, in the squad and they'll they'll get their opportunities because, you know, there's a lot of players who have played for Scotland over the last um, twenty years who haven't experienced a, a major tournament, you know, and I hope for somebody like Stephen Naismith's sake, you know, that he's, uh, and not just a, a you know a Hearts point of view, but but 
almost a, a selfish point of view from his for for, for him is that he gets himself um, fit, has a really good season, and then um, he's able to be part of that squad because I think he's a, a, a guy who deserves um, uh, to to go to a tournament. You know, I think if you've got experienced players, and that's you know that's why I, I I like Ryan Jack being in the Scotland team because I think he has played a lot of football now in Europe for Rangers in a similar role to what he's played for Scotland. And a lot of people say, oh, well, he shouldn't be in the squad. But I, I you know, him and, and guys like Cal McGregor, who, you know, yeah, they might not be blessed with the, the, the biggest amount of quality, but you, you, the experience that they have playing at a top, top level in Europe, um, I think is, is hugely beneficial for Scotland. Um, and I think, you know, having them, and, and you've seen the, the way they've they played in Serbia, you know, they, they don't get um, overawed by the, the kind of the game and, and who they're playing against. So um, I think Scotland are in a good place at the moment. I, I wouldn't make too many changes. What may or June, wherever the squad gets announced, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of people who have maybe announced their uh, lack of ambition the past two years to play for Scotland may try and find themselves putting in better performances and trying to get in the, the mind of Steve Clark, players like Matt Ritchie, who's not played for Scotland for a couple of years, and players like him will be like, oh, you know what, maybe I fancy playing for Scotland now. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how Steve Clark handles that. Uh, no, I, 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 think... I, I, I don't think he would, he would have a problem with that. I think he would, um, he would just say, well, you're, you're, I'm loyal to the, the guys that got us here. You know, I'm, you know, mm. you, that's why I think um, he's, he's not been in a squad since he, he, he withdrew and then played for yeah. Newcastle three days later. He's, he's yeah. not been called up since, and there's a reason for that. Um, I think the, the only guy that you probably bring in from the team that, that wasn't part of this squad um, is probably Ryan. Well, it's definitely Ryan Fraser. Ryan because, Fraser you know, yeah. he's, he's a quality player, and he's always made himself available for Scotland. So um, you, you add him in there, then there's, you know, there's even more quality in, in the squad. So, um, yeah, I think Scotland are in a good place to, to, to have a real go at, at the tournament. And um, they've got, you know... It's, it's a pretty exciting group of players and um, listen, who knows, football's a funny old game. Uh, let's, you know, it's our first tournament in 22 years, let's go and attack it and see see how we do. So I think Steve Clark as well, he won't um, he won't care what club you play for as well, you know, as long as you're you're banging form and you're playing well, he'll pick you. You know, I, I, I couldn't tell you the last time two Motherwell players started for Scotland in the same game of such a magnitude, but the testament to them, the crit, you know, they played it superbly well and uh, Steve Clark won't care if you play for Celtic, Man United in the oh. Premier League, or or in the, or even in the Scottish Championship, like like Craig Gordon, or or like when well, he put, picked put, put it this way, David. Put it this way, David. Gallagher won't be at Motherwell by the time the Euros come along. No, exactly. No, too, he's too, he, judging by those forms, he's far too good to be there. Yeah. yeah, so you're right. But yeah, as Gordon says, who knows? Foot, football has seen weirder things in Scotland being in the knockout stages of the Euros. So we're going to do a Greece then, yeah, for a Greece and Denmark. <laughs> exciting times to come anyway and that's of course the end of the show thank you both for being a part of it as pair and yeah let's hope there's more um, hearts wins to keep the smiles on our faces until next time goodbye yes uh, back in boogie